Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. It's 3 a.m. in Paris, where Notre Dame de Paris, our lady of Paris, sits ravaged by fire. 13 million a year come to her, one of the most recognizable symbols of Christianity, an aspirational symbol, really, that withstood centuries. But this may be her biggest test. We have new info on what happened and when and how. But the story is really about what happens next. And I think it matters more than anything else that we're waiting on later this week or arguing about in the moment. There's much to be said, understood, and done. So what do you say? Let's get after it. obviously, but those aren't just Parisians. It's a Catholic uh, place of worship, obviously, but those aren't just Catholics singing. Uh, This is something that affects people the world over. 856 years of history and so much more up in flames. All over the world, hearts are broken. Lovers of the arts and architecture, people with memories of awe-inspiring images, and of course there are the believers, Christians, especially Catholics, Starting the most important week of the year, rebirth and renewal, the ritual of loss and redemption are now literally being tried by fire. This is the image, the spire of this magnificent cathedral consumed by what looked like hellfire, a powerful, painful image, one so many will never forget. And yet it could have been worse. One firefighter was seriously hurt. We're told that 400 were battling. These are very difficult conditions. We're going to learn more about that tonight, how hard this challenge was. Thank God more people weren't hurt. Thank God we're not talking about this, measuring it in terms of human cost. That place is a crucible of stone acting as an oven, really, for all inside. We're lucky it wasn't Palm Sunday that there wasn't a mass or a massive tour going on at the same time. So here's where things stand. The source of the inferno is unknown. It could be linked to renovation work to fix the cathedral's historic stone walls and buttresses. Uh, That would not be unusual. It's a very common experience in this, but it's under investigation, so we don't know. The location matters. Our Lady sits on an island in the historic heart of Paris in the middle of the Seine River. First reports of smoke and flame just before 6 p.m. local time. People kept commenting, you're going to hear this, on what seemed like an interminable delay. Where were the sirens? Where were the people coming? Where was the help? That island has few bridges. They're not wide. This was rush hour. Boats can get there. They can pump water, but they can't get that close that quickly. And so after the evacuation of the last tour group, there was an empty desperation of waiting, during which time the 315-foot spire collapsed around 7.59 p.m., The flames grew into an inferno. Why? We have to talk about that tonight. Was the fire just isolated on the top or was it feeding its way up? Fed by 
all the wood and the air in the nave, N-A-V-E. That's the main part of the church before the altar. And then it would make the fire feeding on that air feed up towards surrounding scaffolding and a wood sub ceiling that is just, you know, food for flames. The fire chief said there was concern of collapse because without the roof, even stone walls can fall. And if they fell out, there could have been a different order of magnitude in terms of damage. Would the bells fall? Would they take the towers with them? The questions were echoing all across the world. But then the flames started to lower. And we saw these lights that I want to show you. This was the only relief that I had that day. It wasn't these fire engines. Up in one of the towers of uh, where the bells are, there were little white lights all of a sudden. And we knew the firefighters would now reach there. So the flames were gone. They were able to walk up there. That meant there was some integrity to it, that maybe the bells wouldn't fall and take the towers with them. We know that teams managed to salvage an unknown quantity of precious relics, but the main ones we heard were secreted to a, a safe location. You know, what is believed to be part of Jesus's crown of thorns, part of his actual cross. Um, you know, these are heavy, heavy items for Catholics and Christians. Now, we know that stuff is safe. And the mayor tweeted that tonight. And I know it's not just stuff, but I'm saying in terms of this could have been human cost. What we worried about most in terms of things seemed to be okay. The twin bell towers first constructed in the 13th century. They were recently replaced in 2013, I think. You know, this made this cathedral the tallest um, structure in Paris until the completion of the Eiffel Tower in the late 19th century. So for many hundreds of years, this was it. After World War I, Notre Dame's bells rang loud and also for the liberation of Paris after World War II in 1944. She's been there for so much history and so many sought solace within her walls during that war and beyond. In more recent times, after the deadly attacks on Charlie Hebdo and the Bataclan in 2015, the bells rang out again and masses gathered for prayer. And I was there among others, many of whom were not believers. This is more than a cathedral. It's more than a symbol for the religious. It's more than another museum in Europe. This place matters as an aspirational symbol of beauty and the devotion to something bigger than ourselves. And this fire happened at a time that those she means the most to need her most. So there is a lot to discuss about the past, what happened today, and our future. Let's bring in an associate professor of fire science at John Jay College here in New York, Glenn Corbett. Professor, always a pleasure. Chris, thanks Thank for having you me. Thank very much. Um, look, we get the significance measured so many ways, but I want to help people understand a lot of this got rushed through in sure. the moment, sure. why this happened. Sure. Um, now, when we look at this, obviously there was an intensity of right. what's going on in here. I explained it a little bit for yeah. the uninitiated. Yeah. Stone on the outside seems right. so significant, but on the right. inside, hollow with a ton of air right. and old wood. What right. does that mean to fire science? Right. So from a firefighting perspective, this is pretty much a classic church fire, 19th century, all the way back to when this was built five, six hundred years earlier. Uh, stone walls, wooden roof structure. So the fuel load, of course, is up at the top of the building, basically. And the key thing here that we see, of course, is the was probably renovation work going on. Which Scaffolding. Is, right. Which means that uh, that's a, you know, really a potential reason why this has happened today. Of course, we have to do a complete investigation. We have to make sure that, you know, intentional acts uh, weren't here or even accidental uh, cigarettes, things like that. But uh, we've had numerous fires in churches over the years. 
And they all result, they all come out basically this way because the fuel load is way up in the air and the firefighters can't get to it quickly. And of course, again, it's all wood. And there's a ton of air in what right. they call uh, the nave. Right. So it feeds the flames up. Right. This coming through this roof, our understanding was that this was metal and there was stone. It On can burn through that also? Yeah. It's the wood deck that's underneath and also the wood structure. So, so it can supporting. burn right through stone, right yeah. through metal. Right. Actually, when I say it's burning through, it's just basically displacing. I mean, all the, the support it's system is falling away. All right. So now the spire. Right. Uh, this is the iconic thing. Literally, right. it was the physical manifestation of the aspiration of something uh, right. better above us. And in the foreground here, we see the bell towers. Okay, so if I can bring this in a little bit. This is where the bells are. This is where we saw some smoke and fire, but we also saw the firefighters. The configuration of this, significant, or it's what you deal with in these situations of architecture? Well, again, a spire, I mean, spires are also typically framed of wood on the inside. So that's where you saw that go down, That's why this, although it was stone, and when this fell, it's the supporting structure. structure Who knows what was done by the renovation work? Right, exactly, exactly. And in retrospect, um, of course, this fire, we never want a fire like this to occur. But in retrospect, the failure of the roof system actually did help the firefighters tonight because uh, that literally brought the fire much closer to to ground level, basically, and also cut down the amount of uh, radiant heat. That's the heat you feel like from a fireplace and things like that into the bell towers, basically, and the embers, of course, that are being generated as well. So one of your guys, uh, one of the deputy chiefs here in the city said, you know, you can't fight that from the inside. That stone makes it a crucible. It's an oven in there. The smoke, there's not enough ventilation. You can't go inside that. You have to fight it from the outside. True? Yes, and the fact is, is that you've got a building with no roof on it now. The stability of those walls is really in question. Even stone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 200 feet high. So and so on the outside, you see the impressive metal and the stone and, right. the, you know, but this is the inside. Right. And this is what That's you're talking fuel about. That's the fuel load there. Yep. So it's going to burn and then pop through. This is one of the famous rose, um, rose windows that they have there. There's several in this and they were worried about that getting blown out. You know, it's fragile glass. Didn't happen. Right. Thank God for that. All right. So now inside. Uh, again, we can move people around in this. This is really what I want them to focus yeah, on. Up to this is the nave, the beautiful right. architecture that is supposed right. to be so inspirational. But what right. does it mean from thermodynamics and firefighting? Right. So what you're seeing here is, is probably something like plaster on the, on the underside of the roof. Basically, you're looking at the bottom side of the roof up toward up, right. up in the air, basically. And so behind that, of course, is in all likelihood what we just saw in that earlier image is a sort of triangular attic space, if you want to call it that, but it's, you know, an area in which a fire could be occurring and you can't get to it. That's the problem. It's behind right. all this. And, and a, this will all feed itself up too, right? Because this is all air. It's all wood right. and stuff that can just be kindling right. Right. for fire. Right. Uh, and even with all the stone, you think it's going to be impregnable, but it's far right. from it. Now, right. another, uh, the geolocation situation here right. is also relevant. This right. place is situated in almost like in a mini Manhattan right. within Paris, except where we have the Eastern Hudson Rivers. This is the River Seine that goes around. Right. These are not, you know, huge flow bridges. You know, right. they're not even like the ones that are farther up. Right. That's going to create a huge problem, especially during rush hour in terms of getting there. Right. Right. Exactly. And getting not only, you know, people leaving, but also, the, of course, the fire apparatus trying to get to the scene, basically. Right. And we were talking about the water ships, but even the ones that can get in there over time. Right. Um, that's not a great vantage to be fighting this fire no. on the top is from there. Accessibility here is a major right. problem. Uh, smoke is also an issue. Right. Is the color relevant to you or is it just reflective of material? Well, it's material. So people mentioned black earlier on. Um, those are usually hydrocarbon-based uh, type of combustible things. The traditional brown smoke and stuff, that's wood basically burning there. 
So nothing uh, but, unusual to you in that. No, no. But one thing we should point out here, though, too, is that that plume of smoke is is it also contains a lot of embers, large embers, chunks of burning wood. And that's always a big an issue, a big issue with these buildings is that mm. these embers can drop on buildings blocks away, basically. True. One of the good things about it being in right. an island, but not completely right. isolated. Uh, the bells. Right. There was fear here right. that if right. this burned around them and they right. fell, that it was almost like what we learned dying during 9-11 of the right. exoskeleton, right. you know, of this thing that right. what happens on the inside will affect the outside. Right. Legit concern? Yeah. I mean, you could see it's a wood frame structure in here. So they had firefighters in there. We, you mentioned earlier, we could see them working inside here. Right. The fact that the roof of the main sanctuary yeah, went so you down. see all on the top here. Keep going, right. Professor. The, the, the main sanctuary roof went down. That did help them here because it literally moved the fire from up where they were right. down another couple of feet. But this was feet. the fear. And this is the fear. Once this catches, there was fire. In no, it. there was. And they had guys with hose lines in there and stuff protecting this. And, and, the, and the, in retrospect, they will have saved pretty much the rest. They're going to have some stories right. of heroism right. because just let people know at home. What are you dealing with if you're inside right. this stone? Right. Um, Tower right. that's surrounded by wood right. and fly, fire coming from the bottom. Yeah, and radiant heat at you here from the flames. And also embers are probably flying through every opening in the wall there. So this is about as bad as it gets. For yes. Guys. Yeah. It's, it's, and they it were can, able to put it out. Look, yep. there's a fire extinguisher right yep. there. Not enough for this kind of job. Now, outside. Yes. Um, this was preserved. Right. Uh, and did we get lucky or this is just hard to take down because it's mostly stone? Well, again, there's wood structure inside of that as well. And I guess from from. This is, I would imagine, you would agree, this is the more iconic vision yeah. of the church and things. Yeah. So the fact that that's still there is, luck, luckily, is because the fire was actually at the, on the opposite side right. of the building. So and the tower was in between. But it really did tear through. Boy. It did. It did. And look how quickly it moved. People yeah. don't understand that. It moves very quickly. Now, they talked about some, you know, the, the fear of delays. But I think yeah. it's largely logistical yeah. uh, in terms of how they could get there based right. on the reporting. Now, here's some of the, the hose work they were doing. Right. That was really the best you could do. You had to fight it from the outside as right. long as you could. There's right. no way to go up inside to fight this. As the chief mentioned earlier, you don't want to put people in there. You're certainly not going to use the scaffolding that's there right now because that's already been compromised. That's another collapse potential tonight, actually, now, is that scaffolding. Right. And now you and I are not here right. to talk about politics. Right. A lot of people were making this suggestion, right. Right. which is where are the choppers? I brought it right. up on live television right. today right. because we think about that. Right. And I, you know, well, there are air restrictions around Paris, not right. in an emergency situation. Right. Right. The, per, the French authorities said just to address one thing and get right. it out of the way. Right. Uh, we have the capabilities. We fight right. forest fires yeah, all yeah. the time. Right. We're not doing this because we're worried yeah. about putting that much water yeah. inside this structure right now. We're afraid. Right. It may make it worse structurally for the walls. Does that square with you? Yeah, because, you know, if it's a fixed wing aircraft, there's no there's no plane uh, pilot that could drop it exactly in that one spot, moving several hundred miles an hour over it. If you're talking about helicopters, one of the issues you got to here is that that thermal updraft, that's a chimney yeah. effectively. You can't fly a helicopter in hot air. Basically, that's another problem you have to deal with. And Why? They, because the air is the thin, air so thin and the rotors need to cut drop, through right, air to stay right, up and right, it can't stay up. Right. Exactly. So that's another issue here, too. And I, I think they realize that they could probably do more damage than right. not with this. Right, so. and again, it's not about the president. Not today. He actually said the right thing. He recognized this as a tragedy. He said the work was going to slow down within the White House, what they were talking about, because all eyes were on this. But a lot of people were talking about that, and it was not a factor today. Right. Right. If anything, it might have made it worse. Right. Professor, thank you so much Thanks, for helping Appreciate make this stuff more understandable. And thank God we're not measuring it in terms of human loss right, exactly. at this time. We can rebuild it. Thank you very right. much. Thank you. All right. So, again, look, this, this is heavy. It's all so heavy because of the significance. You almost can't process this as just 
a simple reality. This is the week. A billion Catholics, including your flawed friend here speaking to you right now, this is deeply personal. In fact, I was surprised by how hard this hit me. And it hit me with an immediate question. What happens now? The Vatican is shocked and saddened about the disaster. What will the Pope do, especially at the end of this week? Is there an opportunity in this? Father Edward Beck has his take on what the loss means and the challenge it presents, especially this week. And later on, there is much more to this building than what you see. One of the reasons the loss is so heavy is the history that has happened within these walls. When you hear what she's been through and what she's been a part of over the centuries, you'll get the gravity of the situation. taking some live pictures here. They're still fighting the fire, um, you know, and it's still dangerous because fires reignite all the time. I can't wait to hear the stories of the firefighters that made it into those bell towers and put that fire out in the conditions that they were in. I mean, that's going to be amazing. Look, the worst, hopefully, is over. The physical loss is great and remarkable. The spiritual significance, though, also looms large, especially now, right at the start of Holy Week. Obviously, it ends Easter Sunday. This was the main meeting place in Paris for Catholics at this time of year. Many rites and rituals throughout the week, not just Sunday. So what is the loss? How far does it resonate? And what are the challenges going forward? One of my best friends, one of the people I would I don't know who else I would want to lean on in a moment like this for an understanding and a perspective than Father Edward Beck. Father, always a pleasure. Good to see you. Hey, hey, you too, Mo. I'm sorry I'm, I'm not there on set with you. Listen, uh, it's just good to have you. So, look, the art and the architecture, so many people, no matter what they believe, 13 million a year came to see this, twice as many as the Eiffel Tower. We get all that. We get the, the historical nature of this. But for this week... What sense do you make of this at the beginning of Holy Week to have this happen to one of the most magnificent Christian symbols? Well, first of all, Mo, you have been there with your wife and kids. I've been there. We've seen those windows. We've heard that magnificent organ. We've heard those bells toll. I mean, for us, people of faith, you walk in there, it's not just a tourist attraction. It's a place of prayer. It's a place we went to be lifted up. So we just celebrated yesterday Passion Palm Sunday. You mentioned the crown of thorns being one of the relics. That symbol of the passion in this cathedral And that kind of is a parenthesis to the end of this week. As we move toward Holy Week, it's so ironic to me, and you know this, when we come to the vigil on Holy Saturday night, in all churches around the world, Catholic churches, they will light a fire. Except the symbol of that fire on Holy Saturday night, and I think we're all going to be thinking about Notre Dame Cathedral that night, but the symbol is that There's light in the darkness. It's the light of Christ to come into our darkness. Now, that's a very different kind of fire than we have seen today. But I can help hold on to that message that for Christians and people of faith, it is about death but new life. It is about hope. President Macron said it today. He said, we will rebuild. Well, for Christians, it's another way of saying that we will persevere. There is resurrection. There is new life. People come to you all the time. 
wanting you to explain horrible things. This will be yet another. Why does this happen at this time when we need to be going there the most and to bring people together the most? And this is when we lose her. Well, Mo, I think it's interesting. You know, France has struggled of late with religion and its own uh, Christianity. The churches are not very full in France. And yet during the terrorist attacks, you know, you were there. People gathered for silence outside there and it became a symbol of something. So even for non-believers, I think they gather there and they may question, why would this happen? But doesn't it cause us to reflect on what is it that drew people Mm to this beautiful place. What were they looking for? It wasn't just to take pictures of flying buttresses. I mean, there was something about being lifted up one's spirit that this is, as you said, it's more than us. It's higher than us. And I think it's a time to say nothing lasts. It took centuries to build. And I don't know how long it's going to take to rebuild, but it will. Nothing is permanent. And yet God is there in the midst of it. From those ashes, like the phoenix, Something will rise and it will bring people together in a very significant way, as tragedy always does. So I don't know. I feel like God is in the midst of it somehow, even in the pain and destruction. Well, thank God we're not measuring this in terms of human loss. Uh, That is one solace. We know a firefighter was hurt. We don't have any other reports yet. I was shocked by that, Father, because to fight in the conditions that they were fighting in, mostly from the outside, but to get into those bell towers and fight, uh, that is some of the most daunting and dangerous circumstances for a firefighter. And I I can't believe they did it with such success here. So now what? So the Vatican says, obviously, they're upset about this. Why wouldn't they be? Is there an opportunity in this? Do you think there's any chance that Pope Francis goes to Paris for Easter Mass and leaves the Vatican? I would say that's probably not going to happen. Just think of the security concerns of trying to put that together between now and Easter. I mean, would the Pope want to do it? I would think yes. Remember, this is the Pope that doesn't want to ride in the Mobile, doesn't care about security and all that. But the people around him do. So I don't think that will happen. But you can be sure that he will be talking about this tragedy Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, when he lights that Easter fire on Holy Saturday night, I think what a wonderful opportunity to say that fire isn't just about destruction. It's about light in the darkness. It's about the light of Christ. And, you know, you mentioned the firefighters. As you know, my father was a firefighter. Mm. He went into many fires and he had many stories about it. And my heart are with those firefighters, too, because I know what my father endured and I know how important it was to him to be part of this. And I think that's the real message right here. There are brave people who are trying to save something that matters to people. And that's the sense of hope I have, that people are willing to do that for the sake of something else. Exactly. And we're watching them right now up in there. In the worst of situations life can bring, we see the best in us in response to it. Exactly. That is often true. Father Beck, you make everything better. Thank God for you and thank you for being in my life and helping the audience tonight. God bless you this week. I need it. Be well. All right. As we watch this scene, you hear him say, yeah, you do. As we watch this awful scene and the battle that is ongoing, you know, again, look, you have to believe the worst is over right now. But tell that to the men and maybe women who are in that building right now going through things that are still really hot that can spark at any moment. All right. Saving what is left. Good. Think about this. Roughly twice the number of people visit this place 
every year as they do the nearby Eiffel Tower, all right? This is its significance, much more than a religious shrine, much more than a tourist attraction, and so needed right now. This took centuries to build in terms of lore, not just the structure. And it is a unique story that matters and really will open your eyes to what this creates as a vulnerability and maybe an opportunity. I'll share that next. For hours in Paris, crowds gathered to mourn the loss of the Notre Dame de Paris. We all know what she looks like. We all know what she means. She's called Our Lady, right? Notre Dame is just the French language of that. And she has this special island. And even though she is situated there and this is her resident country, she means so much to so many. The history matters. First stone laid in 1163, Pope Alexander III. This took nearly 200 years to complete, and it would wind up being a symbol of human potential the world over. 856 years she's been there, the center of key moments in history. It's where Henry VI of England was made king. It was ransacked and damaged in the French Revolution of the 1700s. It was largely rebuilt after Napoleon took the crown from the hands of the Pope there in 1804. A century later, France's heroine, Joan of Arc, was beatified there. 1945, U.S. troops filled the place at a memorial service for FDR. Even those who haven't seen her in person know it by lore and legend. Writer Victor Hugo immortalized the cathedral. The novel that we all try and get our kids to understand in one way or the another. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, fictional bell ringer, took refuge in the church's roof. The book galvanized a major restoration project of the church in the 1800s. There was actually talk of taking her down. Now, in recent years, she's fallen into disrepair. People from all over the world continue to visit the architecture, the art, the significance. It's carve-outs of saints and prophets and gargoyles, gothic jewel, but also a place of pilgrimage and prayer. It's open every day for mass. It's a sanctuary for some of the most coveted relics in the Christian faith. And it's not just that they are kept, but this is the week, the one time of the year, Holy Week, when the church would unveil these venerated relics to remind believers of the significance of what they're about to relive. That crown of thorns, that piece of what is believed to be part of the wooden cross that Jesus was crucified on, that's heavy stuff for believers. We're told by the mayor there that some of the relics and sacred statues were removed during the restoration. We actually don't know that anything was lost. It may all be safe. Raises heavy questions, right? Why such a tragedy? Why now? Does everything really happen for a reason? Blessing from tragedy, it's tough to understand, harder for most of us to accept. And yet, tonight, even in the midst of mourning, France's president vowed, we're going to rebuild it, and we're going to do it together. Maybe that city will come closer together from this. It could certainly use that. In fact, we all could. Now, to understand what was lost, I'm going to bring in an expert in medieval studies to show you what she's meant to the culture beyond Christianity. And as president, Francis president vows, it will be rebuilt, but it won't be quick. And there'll be a lot of challenges before that. Next. Literally people all over the world watched and wept today. Notre Dame Cathedral engulfed in flames, some screaming as the spire fell. 
Nicholas Paul knows just how woven this cathedral is into the fabric of France's history, but really meaning without within the world. He leads the Center for Medieval Studies at Fordham University. Professor, thank you for taking Thanks the for time. Thanks for having me on, Chris. And look, no reason for us to avoid the obvious. There was somewhat of a feeling of reminiscence of seeing these two big towers, you know, at the front of the cathedral, fire engulfing them, the spire, which was the signature part of it, falling into the flames, the gasps. You know, there is a reminder of what we lived through here on 9-11. Thank God we're not measuring this tragedy in human cost. But it's real, and we should deal with it because it's part of what resonates, yes? Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're talking about two iconic buildings, two buildings completely symbolic of the cities that they are in, as you said, really woven into the cities. So it's hard to avoid that kind of comparison, I think, for Americans watching it, especially watching it on TV. Now, Our Lady of Paris... Uh, is meaningful to the entire world. Mm -hmm. Why? Is it just art and architecture, or through time, has there been an accrued significance? Well, uh, there's so much to say there. I mean, uh, in some ways, we have to just talk about the symbolism of Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is symbolic of France, it's symbolic of Paris, but it's also, I think, symbolic for a lot of people of what the Middle Ages mean, of the medieval world. Uh, that was certainly the case as they were restoring Notre Dame in the 19th century, as you were talking about. Um, there was an attempt to try and capture the character of the medieval city and, uh, and really put it on display in the, in the cathedral. Um, but, it, you know, if we look back at the Middle Ages and we really follow the story forward, it's remarkable how to think about how, uh, what a story it was that unfolded in the shadow of that building. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the, uh, the philosophers who, who debated there, you know, in the streets outside of, uh, as the church was being built, um, uh, the school of music that was based in Notre Dame, where polyphony first entered the Western musical tradition at the cathedral school of, heavy of stuff. Notre Dame. It is. And the irony that something that has withstood so much, it's had its up and downs, it's been ransacked, but nothing ever like this. It doesn't appear that, that way. No. It might be taken out by a construction fire. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an irony in that that just, what, teaches us that everything is vulnerable no matter how much it's withstood. It certainly does. It's also reminiscent, of course, of what happened to many, if not most, medieval churches and cathedrals caught right. fire at one time or another uh, under different kinds of circumstances. So this kind of fire uh, gutting the building, that would have actually been something that medieval communities, it would have been traumatic to them, but it would not have been uncommon. Uh, maybe we've become too comfortable with the idea of the safety of these buildings. Is it true that um, Victor Hugo was part of an effort that really was about an existential crisis for this church, that they believed that that part of the city needed to be reclaimed and completely redone, including taking her down? Uh, yes, and well, the, uh, uh, um, the, the, uh, as you know, there was this restoration movement that surrounded mm -hmm. after he had uh, really centered the cathedral in the city and its literature, uh, the restoration movement, which was responsible for most of the famous gargoyles that you see on Notre Dame, which I think a lot of people go up and look at them and yes. say, oh, look at these medieval sculptures, but in fact, they're, they're representative of the 19th century. Why did they add them then? Uh, I think it was to make it even more medieval or to really capture what they thought of as being this, the medieval character of the building. It worked. <laughs> they, they, always, they always get me when I see them. They, they certainly, certainly got me the first draw time. Draw the eye of people. Why do you think Eiffel Tower, there's almost nothing like it? I mean, you mm -hmm. talk about something iconic. The word has been beaten uh, mm -hmm. today. You know, there's no, I was going to not say it at all in the show. Mm -hmm. That one slipped out. Twice as many people go to see the cathedral yeah. 
as that tower. Why? It's interesting. And if you even think about it in terms of other cathedrals, famous cathedrals in France or other famous religious buildings, uh, the Saint-Chapelle, with which it shares the uh, Ile Cité or the, um, or the Chartres Cathedral, um, it has this iconic status uh, and not because it's somehow superior to those buildings in terms of architecture or more important, but more, I think, just because of its nature at the center of the city and part of the city's story. And it was always there. Now, you're a medieval expert, but... If you had to pick one or two events that happened in or around this cathedral mm-hmm. that you believe separated it in significance, what would you pick? Well, for my own money, I have my own preferences. But one of them, as I mentioned, was this, uh, this school of music that developed there at the end of the 12th century. It really symbolized what was happening in France and what was happening in Paris more generally as, a, as an intellectual center, as a place where the so-called renaissance of the 12th century was getting started that really became the heart of medieval civilization. Um, that, was, that was happening uh, at, at Notre Dame. The other... Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, and it was also relevant for the history buffs out there. It was cross-purposes because one of the threats to that movement was the church. Right. And yet here, in one of its signature events, there was something being given protection Mm -hmm. that was vulnerable, Mm -hmm. even from the influence of the Vatican. Right. And and, uh, the other thing I would say was uh, you mentioned the crown of thorns, Mm. uh, which which we don't know exactly what's happened with that relic now. Um, But the story of the crown of thorns intersects with the cathedral in an interesting way. Um, when the king of France, Louis IX, first acquired the relic in 1238, he intended to build a new building for it, uh, the Saint-Chapelle, n- next door nearby. Um, but while that, that building was under construction, this is where he placed it. This is where he put it at the center of his city and you know, with his people, which I think was an important symbolic moment in his building up of France and building up of Paris. Especially this week of all times. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, it really makes you think about the significance of this place and the significance beyond its art and architecture to what it just means mm-hmm. in terms of our evolution, mm-hmm. uh, such as it is mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. very precarious times. Professor, thank you for letting people know this place matters uh, and it will hopefully continue to do so. Thank you. Chris. Be well. Appreciate it. All right. The significance of what we witnessed today shouldn't be underestimated. You know, there aren't a lot of moments that bring the world together. Don Lemon has some personal thoughts to share about the cathedral and what today meant when we come back. If you go to Paris, you visit Notre Dame. You just do. It's one of the most popular spots there. People from all over the world come. Uh, One of the most visited landmarks in the world. Let's bring in D. Lemon. Don, you've been there. You know what week this is for Catholics. You know the theme, rebirth and renewal. How do you put it all together? I was sad watching it, and um, it it feels like People lost a, a member of their family. That's at least that's what they tell me. Uh, I mean, I had the same reaction as you. Obviously, you're a Catholic. I'm not. I went to Catholic school, and we talked uh, about Notre Dame all the time. We studied it. I went to. I haven't been to um, Notre Dame probably since the '90s. Uh, although I was the last time I was in Paris was in 2016. You definitely see it. It's beautiful, but you cannot put the loss. Um, I don't think there's a way to put it into context. As I was trying to explain to people. This is a work of art. It's one of the great wonders of the world. It goes beyond Catholicism and the church. It is simply a work of art that is beautiful, that moves people in certain ways, uh, in positive ways, and and that we need, especially now uh, in this world. Yeah. You know, one of the the terms uh, that they'll use in the world of faith is ecumenical, that this is universal. 
Uh, if people believe in Christ, great. If they don't, it doesn't really matter. After the Bataclan uh, and the Charlie Hebdo attacks, those bells rang. People went there. Yeah. And just for solace and reminder that there's also beauty in this world. But listen, what you just said, it, but I said, again, this goes beyond religion. Even if you, let's just say you're not a believer. Yeah. When you were in that, you know, it, it'll force you to believe. But also, if you look at the architecture, just being inside the architecture and, and seeing, you know, the, the organ and just, you know, the roof, uh, which is a forest, just being inside of something that is just so monumental and, and so beautiful. I mean, if you, if, you did, if you don't appreciate what it means to people of faith, then you have to appreciate what it means to people who love and admire architecture. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, look. You know, these aren't just Catholics that go to visit this place, yeah. obviously. And it was interesting. I had Father Beck on, and he sees in this a reaffirmation of the purpose of this week and of the call of rebirth and renewal. As you know, mm-hmm. uh, your flawed friend here, I, am, uh, I lean on faith because of weakness. And for me, when I was processing this today, other than the, you know, the parallels to 9-11, I haven't had anything shake me like this since then, of watching something happen. Of course, thank God, we didn't have to worry about human laws today like we did then. Um, but it's an interesting message to make sense of. Yeah. Beginning a holy week, time of rebirth and renewal, we lose something that mattered so much at this time of year. Yeah. Uh, it's tough it is, to make sense of it. It is a building. They will try to replace it, but uh, there, there's a lot that's irreplaceable there. Listen, I hate to make this hard turn, but... We, Do it, uh, Bart. What do you have tonight? You, you know, you, 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 because you focus so much uh, on Notre Dame, as well as you should, uh, I'm going to uh, focus a little bit more on what's happening with the Mueller report coming out. We have John Pistol on, who worked with the special counsel. He says the story is really going to be in the redactions. And the next part of this story will be trying to get information, at least Democrats, trying to get information about the redactions and get people to unredact it. So... That's where this story is going. As we know, it's, uh, it's going to be released on Thursday. So we're going to take you forward to tell you what to look for and what the next big story coming out of the Mueller report will be. Good. Get after it, my friend. See you. I'll check back with you in a little bit. I mean, look, it's the right move. Uh, we dedicated the whole show to this tonight because I think it matters. We all know what's going to happen later this week. We know about the arguments we're having over whatever the president says and the taxes. That stuff all matters. But something like this today only happens uh, once. And especially this week, I just don't think you can escape the meaning behind of it, whatever you want it to mean. That, that's my point. So why speculate about what's going to happen when we have something so real that just happened now, especially when I got my brothers and sisters here at CNN that are giving you all that other stuff. So our hour is on this. And my closing argument is about what I worry most about today and what I'm most hopeful about going forward. Next. What is lost is so obvious, and it went in the worst way. The heavy stone and towering ceilings worked like a massive oven in Notre Dame, cooking everything inside, feeding on old wood and all that air. The air supplied by the massive arches in what's called the nave. Nave from the Latin for the word ship. Why? Because the top resembles a keel or a belly of a ship upside down. Sometimes ships were even located there. Some say it's a reminder of the ark. Whatever it is about, today it worked against us. Thank God no one was in there and that we believe some of the most sacred things were saved. But so much loss, such imagery that I can't not process the imagery through the lens of spiritual significance, especially now, this week, Holy Week.
This place stood as virtue and was consumed by flames. The spire going sent gasps, as you heard, outside the church and gasps within those who witnessed it. The metaphor as searing as the image, the highest point, the symbol of aspiration, succumbing. And yes, it reminded me of the Twin Towers. I witnessed that up close. Not since has anything bothered me as this did today. Thank God the worry was not anchored this time by the realization that so many have been lost to evil. Thank God that should never happen again. But there was something at stake here that is also fragile. I'm one of the lucky ones who got to be in that cathedral more than once. A flawed believer, to be sure. I went there to pray for my own and others. I went there after the terror attacks. People gathered, whether they believed or not, just to be reminded that there's strength in community. And there is something other than evil and terror. There is beauty. There is peace. Now I worry about that need, feeding it. And so I get what is gone, but I am consumed by what remains. Paris, France, everywhere. There's a shortage of beauty to feed on these days. There's discord in great supply, especially there where Our Lady stands, barely. But really everywhere, let's be honest. Victor Hugo's famous book, the one that shapes so many of our young lives, has a telling passage in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Listen to this. He therefore turned to mankind only with regret. regret. His cathedral was enough for him. It was peopled with marble figures of kings, saints, and bishops, who at least did not laugh in his face and looked at him with only tranquility and benevolence. This is not just another church in Europe. Our Lady, Notre Dame, that's the French for Our Lady, a mother, comfort in concrete and stone, respite from realities for centuries. She reminded us there was something better if you sought it in yourself, maybe in others. That no matter what had your head down, there was something beautiful above. Just look. And in there, you could almost see it. 12 million a year, twice as many as those who go to the Eiffel Tower. For what? The comfort of beauty, the significance of her longevity. And in that duration, confirmation of the durability of her promise. Come here and remember there is something better. How do we remind of that now, this week? Christians reliving Jesus' last days. We call his crucifixion his passion, a nod to seeing the suffering as a function of something worth suffering for. I hope this is a moment that makes people reinforce Our Lady's legacy. Will the Pope come to Paris? Probably not. It's too soon. Say Mass in front of Notre Dame on Easter Sunday. Wow, what a message that would send. That what matters survives. Rebirth and renewal is the Easter promise. Beyond what can be built, but by what can be fed in ourselves and others. So in the French president's call to rebuild her together, I hope they remember that that means far more than money and materials and time. And it can begin right away. No better time for that than this week. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.